Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today is Jason Burmus. Jason Burmus is a documentary film producer, perhaps most well-known for his involvement with uh, Loose Change, but he also has several other documentaries, such as uh, Shade and Invisible Empire. Uh, Jason, welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Well, thank you so much for having me. I know we've been back and forth for years uh, via Twitter and other uh, methods, but we've never really talked in person, so I thought this was a nice little opportunity. I've seen your stuff on uh, Rogan. I've been to Metabunk. You know, there are certain things I absolutely agree with you on, and uh, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, no, I, I've been interested. I've been following you for a long time, and we've, we've kind of uh, crossed paths on a variety of things, uh, like everything from 9-11 to, to chemtrails. Sure. Uh, over the years and you know other other various uh you know things that i'm interested in and you're interested in but we're kind of coming at it from different sides uh of the topic you're more of a i guess a conspiracy theorist and i'm more of a debunker which both both terms have kind of negative connotations on both sides but uh <laughs> do we, do you describe yourself as a conspiracy theorist or do you have opinions about that term i know that's the big thing but for me mm-hmm. as like a conspiracy theorist I guess I'd ha- I feel like I'd have to be putting more out there or, um, you know, you know, there's plenty. I mean, we could talk. I'm sure we will. We'll talk about to the stars Academy UFOs, for instance, that was something that, um, was, you know, when I was a kid, I got interested in and, you know, with everything that was out there, you know, the alien autopsy Fox was pushing it. You know, there's like 12 channels at the time. I remember I had the time life series and, one of the things that put me off on that Time Life series was that a lot of it had to do with paranormal, right? So right. you get like ghost ones and the psychic ones, et cetera, et cetera. And I was more interested in, you know, seeing pictures of maybe craft that I hadn't seen before. And the big push then were aliens. But, you know, through my research over the last 20 plus years, there's very little, if any, evidence of extraterrestrial life. And mm. there's plenty of evidence for, um, you know, black craft in other words black budget vehicles that aren't shared with the public for some time and trying to get there and i thought that andy jacobson's book i don't know if you read area 51 yet uh Mm, but it's to me it's a must read she did rogan's podcast as well but she has two other books and uh they're darpa and they're uh the other uh, what darpa is the pentagon's brain and she did one on uh paperclip too i'm interested in all those things and she comes at it on a take for instance that roswell uh, and not that I agree with her or know that it's true, but I thought it was interesting that Roswell was actually Stalin who had gotten the craft technology that Nazis had worked on, specifically the Horton brothers. And he had crashed that craft there with genetically modified humans. And throughout the book, other than just Area 51, how it was created by the CIA, et cetera, it talks about um, you know the experimentation the Department of Energy and others were doing on human beings that Clinton would later you know, go public about and at least talk about some of it. So, you know, those are the type of things that are really interesting. You know, you, before we went live, you said you'd watched Invisible Empire. I'm sure you think mm-hmm. some of that is inflated and we can get into it. But <laughs> you know, to me, um, there is, you know, no matter, I don't think a bunch of people sit at a table and they're like new world order time. I, that's not how the world works, but I do think there are driving forces out there uh, that meet, that collude, that are pro-globalism. And they often yeah. use that term. And when you get to that term, what is it? You know, even uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I put it in, you know, the intro of my film, talks about Hitler's version of it. And it's the regimentation of all human beings. And I do see a push for that, Mick. It was interesting, like, you know, uh, in Invisible Empire, uh, you talk about New World Order. 
you talk about you have this kind of collage at the start that's about 20 minutes long of every single instance of New World Order that you could possibly find. Well, I would say not, because if you go to the credits on that, you know, that there's an even longer collage. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. I, think, even then I didn't put, and this is, you know, when I made that film in 2010, it was actually a lot harder to get those video clips, mm, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. For instance, C-SPAN is one of my, my biggest sources. Vanderbilt Archive was another place I was going for news archives. You need transcripts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would have to go through transcripts and kind of hope I'd get a video clip or something, especially with Vanderbilt. You know, they would only give you a synopsis. They would not give you the full transcript of the yeah, thing. Yeah. So, you know, I was rolling dice. And with that, you know, before I get into the quote montage, which I think is about five, five plus minutes, I talk about a guy named Samuel Zane Batten, right? And his book um, from the early 1900s called New World Order. And he comes at it as more of this Christian perspective. But when it gets down to it, you know, in that book and anyone get the PDF, it really is about collectivism. Now, again, it takes that spiritual context, it's pro-Christian, et cetera, but it talks about, again, this one world order. So my point being that, you know, the more and more, say, we talk about China being bad, right, they have a, a driving technological force where they are trying to control their people through a social credit score and surveillance, right? We should be against that. But at the same time, they've been westernized. They're wearing, you know, our style of clothing, they have K-pop all around, you know, they, they, they've, they've kind of integrated. And at the same time, on our end, although we've been westernized, we take more and more of this track trace uh, database technology. I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. You know, I thought one of the more interesting mm-hmm. things you talked to Rogan about was deep fakes. And I, I think that's a subject that is super interesting because, like you said... Definitely up and coming. Yeah. In well, you, you know, major I, issue. I never thought it would get to the level it is now. In I other mean, words, the snap. Yeah. And I always thought it would. I mean, I, you know, I know that you're a programmer. I find that super mm-hmm. interesting, by the way. Um, Tony Hawk. Did you work for Neversoft? Is that who? The yeah, company I, were... I was one of the co-founders of Neversoft. That's, see, uh, that's a, a pretty cool thing. You know, I, I, and that's the other thing, Nick. I feel for you because everybody wants to throw <laughs> out. He's an agent. You know, <laughs> he's an a, he's this, he's that. And I'm like, look, I, you know, I've talked with the guy enough. I've seen enough. I, I don't know what your private life is like, but I know that we all have them. It's like and, this. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I know it's been thrown at me that I'm a disinformation agent or I work for this or I'm a shill. And I'm just a regular guy trying to make it and point out things that I think are interesting and important. And you, uh, I mean, you made a cultural phenomenon at one point being never soft. I mean, that was a yeah. Tony Hawk's one through four and even into underground were huge games. They were huge. Those are the ones so, that I worked on. I, uh, I actually left after after Underground. Yeah, I didn't all those. And, you know, 3 was the... I tell you what, man. 3 was the one that uh, it got me into... A, it was great soundtrack. Got me into ACDC oh, when, yeah. you know, that was kind of in the background. And the Dropkick Murphys especially. So uh, kudos to you. And, you know, at, at that time... What was that? Late? I think the first one I picked up. Tony Hawk 3 was like got to be 98 or 99. Got it with a GameCube bundle or whatever. Yeah. To, Time seemed a little more simple. You know, we had the birth of the internet. For instance, you know, we were just talking about um, UFOs and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. In that, in those '90s, it was the first time I had access, say, to PDF files of the Majestic Twelve documents that obviously, you know, I don't believe are real, but I could read them. You know, I could read the MK Ultra documents for the first so time. So, were, were you interested in uh, that type of thing, like before 9/11? Because you talk about oh, yeah. the Invisible Empire, how 9/11 was kind of like a wake up in 9/11. a way. For me, I mean, I, I bought into the official version through, 
you know, probably the first six months to a year. I had questions on that day. I mean, just mm-hmm. looking at the things going down. And I, you know, guess we'll talk about that Ron and Sana clip in, in a minute. But overall, you know, my biggest concerns were when I woke up, I, I worked late night in, in that time. I was working at a pizza shop, I think, till four or five in the morning. So by the time I woke up, my, my roommates, they're all Long Island kids. You know what I mean? They, they had to drive through the city. I'd been, you know, I'd been in the World Trade Center. I'm a New York guy. Uh, I used to go to Brooklyn all the time as a kid. Uh, they're epic. Even anywhere you were in the boroughs, man, you could see them. And you just kind of yeah. stare at them yeah. no matter what. I remember so, that. you know, I get the impact. Um, my roommate comes in. He tells me the towers are gone. Doesn't really register. Yeah. I go down. I watch about 10 minutes of footage. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is, you know. I, I don't know if I can curse, but, uh, you know, it was just I was just like blown away. Right. Let's mm-hmm. let's say it that way. And I walked out uh, my back door and another one of my neighbors who was a Long Island kid. You know, this is a little college town. He's already cursing out Bin Laden in the street. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, well, it's I'm getting up now. And how would they know? And, you know, just that that kind of turned me off. But it was the birth of the 24-hour news network. You know, CNBC, I, I don't know that was around. MSNBC was around. Fox News was around. But it wasn't big. You know, there was maybe 60, 70 channels yeah. you could get. Not what you it, could was, get. it was 24 hours coverage after that. That was something I really I, remember about it. You, everything on, on the TV. Yeah. Every, you couldn't. Everything. Took to Nickelodeon. Well, at least the first. Week. I remember it was a big deal when they went live with Letterman. I remember that was the big deal. I, yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of this stuff because it was just such a change and a flip. And honestly, that that was kind of my birth into being a news junkie, right? Mm. To, to start following all of these different things. And I specifically remember, man, it's, it's so hard to find now. I want to say it was Chris Hansen, but it was basically one of these backdoor arms deals that was going on with a Pakistani that was an right. investigation of. And I found that peculiar, but... You know, again, that didn't register with me that there might be something more than what what the TV was telling me about 9-11. And I, really the first time I was interest, introduced to the conspiracy was when Fox and Friends was trashing Theory Masson's book, Le Penigate. And even I was just extremely upset. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, F that guy. I, I can't. All the French will say anything. And so it wasn't in, until even after that that I really started questioning everything and started, I, I guess downloading a bunch of just archive footage that's what really set me off when i started downloading the archive footage um you know there was a specific event that did that but um i read two two uh, i'm not going to give the story on you know what triggered me to do it but i read two different um big websites at the time it was stand 9-11 stand down.net and um there was 9-11 timeline.net not the big timeline that's out now but it was just a 24-hour synopsis of uh of the day, you know, from 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. And there was a short little paragraph about our military budget, how many people were on the plane, some things to get me start questioning. And uh, that that's what set me off on that. Nick. And yeah. I got to tell you, you know, uh, you know, I know it's highly contested today, but even now, 18 years later, we're starting to see the, at least the Saudi financing come out. Right. And lawsuits there. I don't know how familiar you are with the uh, Dark Overlord data dumps. Oh, I've heard of them, but I didn't really... Is that where he... It was like some litigation uh, talk, like, uh, like basically in, so investigations, liability. Yeah, but, you know, Silverstein's properties, that's a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the bigger parts of it for me is the family members and their depositions. And uh, one of the 
bigger depositions. I mean, there's there's actually talk of the Pakistani ISI funding in a, in a couple of the documents. I've gone over that, you know, the uh, the General Mahmoud Ahmed transfer and whether they're going to sue there. Remember, there's still two parts that haven't been released, you know, which are supposedly have the more damning information, mm-hmm. whether it does or not. I don't know. Uh, but my most interesting was was the James Woods testimony. You know, um, if you watch Fabled Enemies, yeah, he had yeah. talked about how he had been on a flight prior and said that he had identified the hijackers and filed a report. So to me, I mean, the biggest one in this is that it gave a date. It was, um, I believe it was mid-August that this had occurred. It was Flight 11, you know, and Khalid Al-Madar, who especially now is um, is kind of in the spotlight because he's the one that was fu- funded by the Saudi, one of the two, right, was on that plane. Now, Madar doesn't hijack 11. He ends up, I believe, on 77, right? But he's also one of the ones that's alleged to live with and rent from an FBI informant. So for, I mean, you should read the transcript yourself. It's out there for anybody. For me, when you have a Hollywood star (laughs) in first class taking a stewardess over, having the pilot come out, having them all file reports, Uh having that, if you listen to his testimony, he claims, uh, I forget what the FBI agent's name is, but he names an FBI agent that says, yes, all those things were filed. And then he also claims that Seymour Hirsch also verified that all three of those um, complaints were filed. And they were talking about these guys hijacking a plane three weeks before. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. I, I don't know the exact details, but I remember uh, you know, talking about that. And people saying it, the generally, it's generally accepted that that was kind of a dry run for the, the 9-11 attacks. What, what, what's your, uh, your, your personal view on... Where do you draw the line on conspiracy theories in terms of, uh, you know, some people that don't think a plane hit the Pentagon and things like that? I, mean, I wouldn't think you obviously go that far, but like things like controlled demolition of the towers. Where do you stand on things like that? I, I mean, you know how I feel about one, two and seven, um, I spe- especially in, you know, I don't want to go. You know, I'm not a physicist. Uh, I think the guys that are architects and engineers have done a great job. I, I, I watched not the uh, latest presentation. Right. I read through that. But. Some, it's got to be like 18 months ago, a former NIST employee did like a 35-minute breakdown after leaving NIST mm-hmm. and talking about how much he loved that organization and how he was kind of taken aback when he started asking questions about 9-11. I, I, I'm not sure if you've seen that, but I'd like I've to share it, that. Yeah, that was, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now, but he, was, he wasn't he was actually like a mechanical engineer. He was like a, a no. water water testing engineer. No, Ryan. It wasn't, but, I'm, not, I'm not talking, because yeah. obviously Kevin Ryan's story is different. This is much, uh, oh. much newer. So I'm not, okay. I'm not sure he wasn't in the division where they were investigating that, but he was some kind of an engineer. I don't oh, think he was, he was, uh, he was a mathematician. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, he was doing mathematical visualizations of other stuff. I remember him now. I can't remember his name. He, he's like, um, he's a, he's a programmer basically now and does, uh, iPhone apps. It, it was dense, but, uh, yeah. anyway, you know, just recently before the anniversary, other than the Willie Rodriguez story, um, you know, I believe that there were secondary explosives that were set off um, that were other that did had nothing to do with the plane. You know, yeah. Anthony Lamacia, all those guys, um, the manner in which they come down, the blast points. You know, we could talk about pressure. The fact that in the beginning they said, you know, uh, you know, we had this. Uh, what was it? Uh, a pancaking collapse. Mm-hmm. Right. That was, yeah, that, that was, was the first theory. Yeah. And, and, and again, that changed over time. Uh, Building 7 especially, I I mean, just look at it, you know, the Barry Jennings interview that we we did, and then he kind of recanted, and then, you know, we put the whole thing out there. 
you know, I'm not going to say that I don't know what happened to Barry, but shortly after doing that BBC thing, you know, he was no longer with us. So there's no really way to clarify that. Michael Hess has never given a public statement about being in Building 7 aside from the news that day, right? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of problems with uh, with Jennings' uh, story, though. Like, you know, his timeline didn't really make sense. And, you know, he talks about being let out in the lobby and stepping over bodies in the lobby of World Trade Center 7, which, you know, there was actually footage of the, the lobby, so... There was. How late is that footage? You know, that footage in the lobby, um, you know, I, now that, what is it? Uh, there, there's, first there of all, there's a, you know, a lot of people it. went in World Trade Center 7, like, you know, right at the start. So there would have been all the people working in there and all the people who left. Yeah, so. well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the footage that's out there in the public. If you if you go to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll bring this up for the for the public, for anyone that wants to check this out. Enhanced WTC videos, this guy's done a really great mm-hmm. job of getting all the public NIST footage, right? And that includes the back of World Trade Center 7. I know they recently put that out there um, in the, uh, what was it, the 102 Minutes History Channel one. But they go in there, you see them go up the escalators, et cetera, et cetera. That's after the first collapse, not the second collapse. You know, I, I know I had pieces out there. This is a great resource for people. Uh, I mean, this is just the raw footage that, that basically NIST got. This guy doubled over the frames, and he resaturated them a little. He did a good job. I'd say this, you know, we can question that, but, you know, buildings don't fall that way, Mick. <laughs> and, and yes, hold they do. <laughs> on. I, I know we're, we're going to get into it. And I'd like to get your opinion on now this Ron and Sana thing. Is he yeah, just yeah. I have a very, very detailed opinion on this. Uh, Let's hear have, you, have you read his entire statement? I just listened like, to the I'll, I only listen to yeah, the W. Yeah. So it's easy to easy to take it out of context. Let me just. I, there's a post on Metabank. If you go to the homepage of Metabank, like the first li- page now is 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 that, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, "Let's see. Remember, Seven World Trade had not come down yet. So I went down to the New York Stock Exchange that Wednesday morning. Now Wednesday, of course, is the day after Tuesday, mm-hmm. and." Uh, no, 9-11 was on a Tuesday. So this is him visiting the site on September the 12th, which was on and World Trade Center 7 had come down on September 11th. So it seems pretty obvious from the get-go he's talking about something else. Then he says, okay. uh, you know, we were looking over in that direction. And if it had come down in the way it was tilting, it would have wiped out everything from where it stood to Trinity Church to the exchange, the stock exchange. Um, to effectively the mouth of the Hudson. But if you look at an actual map of uh, that, that's, that doesn't actually make any sense whatsoever for World Trade Center 7, which, of course, is to the north of the, of the actual site and would have just fallen, you know, at most, uh, it would have fallen into the, the 1 and 2 area, you know, the main World Trade Center area. Uh, so he's actually talking about a different building. And if you look at his description, what he's actually talking about is a building called... Um, Let's see, One Liberty Plaza, which is a, you know, if you, if you scroll down to my next post after that, you'll see like a, that map there. Okay, so so there's One Liberty Plaza in the middle, and you can see just to the right of that is Trinity Church and the Stock Exchange. So yeah, if One Liberty Plaza had fallen over, it would have taken out uh, Trinity Church and it would have taken out the Stock Exchange. Uh, but World Trade Center 7, which had collapsed the previous day, was in no danger. So he's obviously talking about a different building. So you think the mistake is made that he's talking not only about another building but another day instead of the mistake being made that he's that it's Tuesday and not Wednesday. 
Oh, both. I'm thinking about both. Uh, I mean, they're both issues, obviously, because he he he's you know he he visited the site on September the twelfth, mm. and he's saying like you know talking about this building that he thought was going to collapse, and then he says so like, yes, uh, I'm just wondering explosion. if, and this is a, obviously an if that you don't think is possible, but mm. if just World Trade Center Seven was proven to you as a controlled demolition, just something was so irrefutable, yeah. would that change your opinion of nine eleven at all? Oh yeah, definitely. Because it would be a yeah, kind of an incredible thing. I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a viable thing for them to have decided on that day to go in and rig the building with explosives and bring it down and do that secretly without anybody finding out and cover it all up and you know tell all the firemen to be quiet about it and stuff like that. It's just it's just such a highly implausible thing, even if it wasn't part of some broader conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it actually makes more sense in a way that it would be pre-rigged with uh, with explosives. But you know, I yeah, but, that's how I would feel about it. You know, yeah. and I would that maybe that would be a contingency contingency plan because of you know the largest CIA base being in there outside of a Langley, the SEC, the Office of Emergency Management. I mean, these were hubs. I mean, one and two also. There's no way. I mean, yeah, yeah. but. You you understand how intelligence works, and that there's subdivisions, and even like a crawl or whatever, or a strap for they're going to have connections to intelligence agencies somewhere. That's where most of these people come from. Now, to me, anyway, you know, just the the funding alone, the funding mechanism for these guys raises huge questions, and I wonder how you feel about that. For for instance, I think it's pretty irrefutable that Pakistan. Um, on a base level, has something to do with this, right? General Mahmoud Ahmed, yeah. in fact, I'm not sure you're aware, but uh, Dan Rather and CBS aired that piece in 2002 where they said bin Laden was being protected by the Pakistani military in a hospital the night before 9 11. And of course, leave the irregular raid, they find him in Abbottabad, Pakistan. So, well, I mean, what I, you thought I, of that? I, I think the things like issues of uh, the funding are the issues that people should be looking at because. Yeah, from from my perspective, what I see is that the planes hit the buildings, they caught fire, and then they collapsed. Uh, building seven also caught fire and was hit by building one, and that that collapsed from the fire. And that that to me seems like you know fairly straightforward from a physics basis. And I've got you know I I'm not like a physicist either, but I have a lot of experience programming physics and doing physics simulations uh, for the video games, obviously. And so from my perspective, it all it all seems to make sense. And the objections that AE 911 raised don't make sense. So I think this thing about controlled demolition is a big distraction uh, from any real corruption that's going on. And you know, obviously, you know, there is definitely geopolitical corruption and there's, there's industrial corruption and there's individual corruption. There's all kinds of corruption in the world. And I certainly don't agree with everything that you say in Invisible Empire but there's certainly uh, there's elements of truth to it and that there are powerful people who are looking out for their own best interests and there are people who have broader agendas who are de- trying to do things on a geopolitical stage. I mean, you just got to look at uh, you know what's coming out today, the, the stuff with Trump, uh, like playing little games with uh, 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 was it the Ukraine. I- but well, the yeah. Ukraine. But hold on. All right. Yeah. So, so and we're kind of getting a little off nine eleven. But it's interesting because this is the big hot take of the day, right? Mm-hmm. To me, I've seen a shift that somehow the scandal about the the actual scandal becomes the scandal. For instance, I did a piece all the way back in April 
on this Biden-Ukraine scandal before Trump was asking for an investigation. I don't know how familiar you are with it. But essentially, it goes like this. His son has no experience with energy. He's getting a 50K a month job. And he, I believe it was a $1.5 million initial payout, right? So I have Biden at the CFR next to Richard Haas. I believe it was in January of 2018. Not talking about that, but talking about coming in uh, on a plane on behalf of uh, that $1 billion loan for arms, right? So basically... They had already negotiated a $1 billion deal that they were going to loan to the Ukraine for their military. Now, he gets in there, and Biden says that he had already been assured by uh, – it starts with a P, but the, the leader there the, that they're talking about – I don't want to mispronounce his name – Poroshenko, I think, um, and another person that they were going to fire the prosecutor who was investigating his son. <laughs> okay? So this prosecutor was already in the mix of investigating his kid for this crooked energy deal, right? So Biden says it like this. The leader says, well, you're not the president. And he says, well, why don't you call him? You're not going to get the money. And then he tells him that he's going to be on a plane in six hours. <laughs> and so the guy fires him. They fire this prosecutor. Yeah, yes. sure. But I think these are kind of like, you know, separate issues in a way. Like even if Biden was involved in some kind of corruption. To me, you know, this is something. Listen, I'm not a fan of either side. Right. And the I question think is really if, if Trump actually broke the law. But Did what, he actually what, solicit what, the help from a foreign government to uh, like think about oh, like uh, Watergate? That's that's my Watergate. Yeah, well, that's what, what, what if what if Nixon was actually investigating something that the DNC did that he personally thought was illegal? Like if he thought there was yes, some kind of corruption going on. Wasn't the crime physically breaking in and trying to steal shit? I didn't want to curse, but I, okay. I'm looking at this right and. To me, it's a real scandal. I'm not a Joe Biden fan. In fact, Joe Biden is one of these guys that's well aware of the Pakistani ISI funding. He went on TV on September 13th and bragged that he had had a talk with General Mahmoud Ahmed, who he called the first or the second most powerful person in that nation. He threatened Pakistan on the floor of the Senate and said, you know, they're going to have to make a, a hard decision very soon. And of course, they made the decision to ally with the U.S. And, you know, he was caught twice talking about this funding and saying, you know, it was classified, right, and that they were working with the Taliban. For instance, Bob Graham's very open about the fact that General Mahmoud Ahmed was working with the Taliban as well. Taliban and, uh, by the way, al-Qaeda, very different things to me. But it showed a funding mechanism. It shows that Biden's well aware of this. No one challenges him on that up on the stage, right? No one's, no one's even talking about foreign policy for the most part at these horrible DNC debates. Now, I'm talking about this in April, hoping that they can investigate this, right? Now, they've already replaced the prosecutor, but my point would be this. They're no longer under an administration that already corrupted the investigation. So Trump saying, hey, you can reopen that or you should reopen that isn't a problem to me. That's my that's my point. It's sure. to me, it's not. He's but not. The, the point is, all he's doing is saying, you know, he's, he's putting all this effort into trying to get Biden investigated. Is he putting effort into getting everybody else investigated who was, uh, has allegations of corruption? There's all kinds of allegations of corruption I with thousands of people it. throughout the world. But he picks out Biden. He picks out Biden because he thinks God. that Biden is going to be his, his opponent in the election. But again, so, so by your logic, he should just get away with it because of who he is? Oh, Biden, no. If, if there's some corruption there, obviously it should be uh, prosecuted. But same with everybody else. I agree. Everybody. Listen, like, what about Trump? Trump has a lot of the game on what I think that, you know, is really an impeachable offense on Trump. 
Uh, I don't know that there's a lot, especially when you look at past presidents. That's not to say I love him. I don't. Uh, I'm very upset with what's going on in Afghanistan, Iraq. For instance, when he talked about the military-industrial complex, I don't know if you caught that clip on Fox. Did you? Uh, Sure. Trump Trump talking about it? Yes. Essentially, it was after um, the uh, drone incident, right? They shot down our robot. You know, nobody's seen the Iran drone incident. And nobody's seen what was that? Oh, geez. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so this drone incident, no one talks about the fact that, first of all, it's very unlikely this was not in their airspace. This is a drone that flies at 60,000 feet. We don't have them shot out of the air every day, Mick. This is the Iran's airspace shooting down the yes. American drone. So just for that to happen, it appears we baited them. You know, Two, there was a naval plane in the vicinity of that drone at the same time with 131 real people on it. Iran did not shoot that down. They put it out there. They said they could prove that both of those things were in their airspace. U.S. media hasn't covered it much. Both Pence and Trump have talked about the fact that they used restraint and that Iran did not shoot down that naval plane with people in, right? That's a big geopolitical scandal to me. And then for, well, for that... Why, why would they shoot down a plane with 130 people? And it's, it's one thing to shoot down a drone, but you know, shooting well, down I, a plane I, would have been a, a defective act of war. Exactly. But why are you putting that stuff in their area? Listen, we already surround their nation in that Gulf region, right? I'm not telling you I love the Iranian regime or any of that. I'm saying that Iran's not surrounding our coast. They're not on the Pacific. You know, Russia isn't there either. You know, their biggest ally. No, I know what you're saying. Our military is there. They're not running planes around there. I I like the restraint. But then when Trump talks about the military-industrial complex and then says that Afghanistan is the Harvard University of Terrorism. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. You know, when he runs on, you gotta love the WikiLeaks, and now Assange is in this crazy 14-part uh, 14 indictment, which would eviscerate free speech as we know it, and publishing rights, you know, literally going after him for things like saying, if you have information, we'll pay you $25,000 for it. Not, you know, just encouraging hacking. He's a cyber terrorist for encouraging hacking or encouraging people to uh, get real information. I think that mechanism is extremely important. And I hope you would agree that to me, again, this whole Russiagate thing is not as important as the emails themselves that came out. You know, that like that was the scandal to me. Let's read those emails. Let's look at the corruption there. I think, I think again, you can do both. Though. You know, you could still if, if Clinton did do something wrong, then, yeah, let's look at that. But if if you know, the other people did things wrong, too, it doesn't mean that just because they were trying well, to expose wrong? something That's else that was wrong. This whole idea that hold on this whole idea that now administrations don't work with foreign powers or other intelligence agencies to get dirt on people is nonsense. It's been going on forever. It's not new, right? It's that's all this isn't new. And, you know, they're conflated, you know, I don't know how much of the Mueller report you've read or the pre, um, remember when they put out that first FBI document kind of linking Russia to interfering with the elections where they had RT and Abby Martin in there. It, it wasn't a lot of proof, but basically it run the, the basic idea that this Guccifer 2.0 was a conglomerate of bad Russian actors, right? And then they were showing, like, base Russia propaganda. They didn't have any evidence on it. So, well, What, what do me, you think of the, uh, the Internet Research Agency, like Russia's kind of uh, supposed hothouse of people, like, trolling uh, the Internet for Russian propaganda purposes? Do you think I, that yeah, exists? Well, thing it doesn't exist, how effective it is, I think is overblown to the max. I think that... 
Zuckerberg, for instance, when he was initially talked to about this, he laughed about it. He scoffed yeah, at it. It's like, I, you know, I think that the people can, you know, and then he flipped 100%. And well, it wasn't just because that, he looked into it and did the actual research because they did actually look at like the reach of these commercials. That's Listen, there's a lot of people that don't want him in there. I mean, I don't know if you how much well, you've been exactly. following that. The last 18 months, there are plenty of shareholders that want to flip him out. You know, and I think that's the case before. It's listen. Facebook's powerful, man. I mean, I would sure, say, yeah. you know, it has a it has a huge base. I, I get the the fact that, you know, we can talk about interfering with elections, but at the end of the day, I I don't think that Russia is you know brainwashing the masses. I think they certainly have their interests. I I think they they're trying would, to. I I think they certainly would have rather had Trump in there than Clinton. You know, yeah. I, I I won't say that, but I do not think that they especially. Even before the indictment, I remember when they put out that first GRU report and they were naming these people, you know, the people they were going to indict. It was very thin. You know, it was very thin to me. I was like, well, you think they did this. You know, can you provide me with more or how they did it? You know, even the Alice Donovan Donovan character, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but this was someone who was uh, posing as a journalist, right? So she was. contacting different little media outlets, Counterpunch being one of them that published her. And she ended up being a conglomerate of these people. So, yeah, that stuff exists. You know, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. it doesn't. Uh, Did Alice Donovan do this on behalf of the Trump administration or, or, I mean, the the group or even Russian agents working with Trump? No, I don't believe that. Yeah, well, I think Russia gave itself like there isn't enough evidence to prosecute. But obviously Russia was trying to influence the elections to a degree but i mean i'm sure the the, the cia tries to influence elections in other countries too of course uh, it doesn't mean that it's it's a good thing just because you know one side is doing it i prefer like people in a country to make their own decisions but uh, uh i would but, say this though think about this all right you know you're talking about interference in elections and you know whether or not i don't believe that they thought they were going to find russian collusion i don't think that was the purpose of this at all i thought i think they were going to do to trump what they did to manafort and others they were hoping to get him in the seat and get a perjury trap it's what they did to clinton right clinton it's not like clinton got uh impeached for an affair he got impeached for lying about that affair affair so i i really feel like you know that was this whole thing if we can get him to sit down and just start talking that's it. And they weren't able to do that. And that's when they said, you know what? Now we have to take this report about Russian collusion. We have to break it into two parts and we have to make it totally about an obstruction of justice. And the other thing is that you saw those obstruction of justice talking points 12 months before people like Avenetti were throwing them out all over the place. So I, I knew from the get go, they weren't going to find Russian collusion. It was a perjury trap, just like they did with Manafort. Trump didn't fall for it. So then they tried to make it about something else. Mueller looked horrible up there. You can't say that he yeah, it really wasn't, wasn't a good showing. It's a bit disappointing. Oh. Yeah. So, it's... you know, listen, frontmen exist. You know, Mueller was just the face of that. He wasn't running that operation. I mean, I, I don't believe he was. If he was, I think he would have had a lot more information while he was sitting up there. You know, he was a figurehead they could put out there as a guy who was in the Bush administration, you know, worked, worked on 9-11. You know how I feel about Mueller. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think, well, I think the you know, like he said, that the report is what uh, is actually the product of uh, the the investigation, not his personal accounts of it. But uh, let's uh, let's kind of switch gears a little bit here. Like, uh, I want to talk about some of your like, you know, I'm kind of really interested in how your beliefs have changed over time. Like, you used to be, I don't know, perhaps a bit more 
conspiratorial than you are now. And I'm just wondering if there are things that you thought in the past to be true that you no longer think to be true, like as you get older and wiser. Well, I would say that alien thing is for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I like your take on um, a lot of the To The Stars Academy stuff. You know, I know, I know you don't believe that those gimbal footage are anything nefarious. You think one's like a seagull, right? Uh, well, <laughs> that is a possibility of the, the go fast thing. I think it's more likely a balloon, but it's actually a, a small, slow-moving object, which is so, probably a balloon. But I, I would say that y- you believe that we have other type of aerial vehicles than what we're putting out there, right? And possibly other types of propulsion systems. Sure, yeah, but I wouldn't, th- I wouldn't think they're going to be quite as advanced as people are making out. Like they're talking about things that can move, like you know, five miles in a tenth of a second or something like that from from a dead stop, which would be literally impossible uh, for, with physics as we know it. So yeah, I'm sure there's like stealth fighters and there's things that move a bit faster, and there's probably some like interesting looking drones. But so, so would do that. A Navy patent that's out there of these mm-hmm. you know, very UFO-like vehicles that say that they're anti-gravity. And there's another couple out there that um, also have like weird gravitational fields, et cetera. And you, and you can you can look these patents up. I mean, they're reporting them on Metro, but you know, I actually have been to the patent site. Well, what are your opinions on even that stuff that's public? Well, yeah, I, my opinions are that patents no? are complete bullshit. Uh, just because <laughs> something is patented, it doesn't mean it actually exists. There's a patent for. Uh, a, a birthing aid uh, that was actual real patent, and what it involves was strapping a woman to a, a rotating table and spinning her around until the baby pops out by centrifugal force. Is that That's a naval a, patent, Mick? It's not. I mean, no, it's but there's, al- there's also there's also patents for uh, things like teleportation devices. Patents get sure. issued, and yeah, maybe the the, the navy like here yeah, has some idea about some advanced technology or something that you know, might work in the future. So they patent it. They just patent everything. People patent the, the, everything that comes into their heads. Doesn't mean it exists. Okay. Uh, Again, so, I, I would say that the the majority of what we're seeing in uh, the vast majority of what we're seeing in video or pictures. I mean, the older pictures you can't trust any of those now, and even video is very tough these days. Obviously, we can get into that yeah. and stuff. Um, and and that, but I, I think one one of two things. Number one, you're looking at propulsion systems, probably you know black, you know, we something other than rocket technology. And two, um, there's very good possibility that maybe you're looking at traditional drones that are using holographic technology. You know, we uh, have. That. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, I, I'm I'm just saying it's a lot. It would be a lot easier to have an aerial hologram of a, a pulsing. Dot or something it, like that. It really you don't think wouldn't. So? It really wouldn't because like there's there's serious problems with holograms. You can't really have a clear air hologram that appears darker than the sky around it because all you Thanks. can do all you can do is like emit light. Uh, the only clear so, holograms so, that UFOs are on video though. I'm not talking about the ones we're talking about. They're chasing and getting them on radar. I'm talking about somebody throws up their their camera and you know it's it's basically a light emission. You know, oh, if and, it's a light in the sky, that's one thing. But that's just a light in the sky. But if you can actually see a shape or something, and if, especially if it appears dark, that's impossible for it to be a hologram because you can't actually so. project darkness into things. You can't uh, project something into a spot in the sky. It's hard enough projecting light into into the sky. You have to either project it onto something, or they have this one technique where they they use these kind of plasma lasers to make little dots like a spark in the sky. But that doesn't doesn't work on a large scale because it would be incredibly hot. Uh, but I don't think holograms are a valid thing. And holograms, are thing, I think, one of those things that people bring up uh, without really understanding how 
you know, optics and physics actually work. It, it, people think, because you see it on TV, oh, holograms will just project a giant hologram onto the sky or whatever. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an aerial vehicle, a small one, that's projecting a hologram around it. You don't think that would be physically possible, huh? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's... Uh, it, it, all it could do is perhaps like shine some bright lights around it, but you can't project something around you because there's nothing to project it onto. You've just got the air around you, especially when it's high up, when the air is very, very thin. If it's flying through a cloud, then yeah, you could you could do something, but no, you couldn't actually. There's no such thing as like. Close so you don't think a, a technology and and you know this is a big conspiracy theory out there, and I'll tell mm-hmm. you what I've I've tried to find uh, this lecture by this uh, journalist, I think it's at a Canadian university, about Project Blue, Blue Beam, right? Everybody brings oh, yeah. up Blue Beam and, uh, you know, Voice of God technology, this type yeah. of thing. And, I, you know, I've always, some I, I don't really talk about much because I haven't be, been able to uh, validate it whatsoever. I'd love to get this lecture or any kind of government document that mentions anything like this, but I haven't found one. I'm sure yeah. you haven't. No, well, Project Bluebeam is the idea that there's going to be like a fake uh, either alien invasion or you know, visitation Deity. of God or something and yeah. as, as a trick to uh, bring about the New World Order. Sure. Uh, but it's it's technological bullshit basically like for the reasons I, <laughs> I mentioned before that you can't actually project anything other than light so you can't project a hologram onto the sky you know, when okay. you when you see holograms um you know in holographic displays that you know in a, in a mall or something they're always like projected onto something often it's something like it's just a simple uh, angled screen and the, uh, the the actual hologram is projected from below um, or it's projected into something like uh, misty air or something like that, uh, and there's a, or it's a spinning spinning thing and it's timed with the spinning thing. But there actually has to be something there. You can't project something onto the onto the air. Now you could maybe do like you know uh, loudspeakers everywhere and have the voice of God come down and say, "Everyone, get into the FEMA camps." Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, what about? Um, I, I'm interested on your take. I know that uh, the Star Wars program is said to have failed. But let's say, let's say it didn't. Uh-huh. And let's say that you had something that could project from space. And now, I, whether that would be inside of our atmosphere or not and downward, obviously we have satellite technology and, and those type of waves. You think that sound waves just wouldn't be plausible? Uh, sound waves you couldn't project from space because they need, they need air to actually mm-hmm. get through. You would have to do something kind of... Uh, microwave modulation of the atmosphere which would be <laughs> take an incredible amount of energy and would be completely infeasible to do from space uh you'd have to be it's basically set up a sequence of atomic explosions timed with the the sound waves or something like that uh people talk about like harp i don't know if you're familiar with harp or another, another kind of conspiracy theory type thing and that that can actually modify a very small region or relatively small region of the atmosphere uh but mm-hmm. it's actually the atmosphere you, know, you talk about the atmosphere and you think about the air you know, in front of you. But what HARP does is it modifies a region of space, essentially, like 100 miles up, where there's almost no air. It's like you know, one molecule uh, per square foot or something like that. And it's mostly free electrons because of the bombardment of the sun. It's just completely different to what people's idea is. People think you know, you're modulating the atmosphere, but it's really not doing anything that can affect things at ground level and it's the same thing with like space projectors they couldn't do anything that would affect things at ground level like the the blue sky isn't like this blue screen above us it's miles and miles and miles of increasingly thinner air so if you shine a beam into it you're just going to get a beam you're not going to get an actual projection 
unless you do it on a cloud. So uh, yeah, I think uh, the Project Bluebeam is uh, is complete nonsense basically, and it's an interesting kind of almost like a science fiction fantasy. Like it's entertaining to to think about it, but there's there's no way it's physically possible at all. But I, I would say this, you know, science fiction. I mean. There, there's a lot of things, for instance, that you would have said is science fiction never come to reality, and that's I think there's a good segue into the deep fake thing, right? I, I I've looked at this forever, you know, just because I, I went to school for um, uh, graphics, editing, 3D modeling, and even you know back then what they could do with Forrest Gump when I was a kid, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know, and and obviously it was very intensive. Now, I, I mean, I just posted something that somebody did from 2001 A Space Odyssey with great shading and shadows, and Elon Musk is the main character, and it looks mm-hmm. like Elon Musk, and it's done extremely And the first thing that clicks in my brain is uh, The Running Man. I don't, know how, I don't know if you remember that film, but... I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the very beginning is Schwarzenegger's character not wanting to kill a bunch of people on the streets, I think of Los Angeles, who want food. And his superior's telling him to do it, and he fights it off. They stop it. They kill those people, and then they blame it on him. And then they put video of him doing it out, which is faked. And then later they show the same real-time technology when Jesse Ventura's character is supposedly in a cage with him, and he kills him, and it's really another person. I think at this point that real-time technology is is somewhere pretty much in the near future. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the, and we have the audio stuff. when. When do we stop trusting what's out there? Like, for instance, do you think there's a possibility that any of those Bin Laden videos might have been using, you know, a very, um, I would say, primitive type of this technology, just the editing base? Is that even a possibility? It seems unlikely to me just based on the, the level of technology back then. Like, the, the way it's done now is, is essentially like these large AIs running on, like, you know, uh, quite often on uh, multi-core servers. Uh People can do it at home now, though. But it, you know, they have to like you know train it overnight and stuff, and you can still kind of still kind of looks kind of iffy. But if you use more yeah. computers, it gets better. But back then, I don't really think that they had the technology. Certainly, nothing that I was aware of. You, know, you can you can always speculate and say, oh yeah, the government is always ten years ahead. But you know, generally, they're they're not ten years ahead in things like this when it comes to things like you know faking graphics and whatnot. Uh, all that research is done in in universities. You know, the stuff comes out of people's PhD theses and things like that, which is all kind of public stuff, and it's all work that's done in the public. And it's it's impossible to say that it it wouldn't have happened, but I, you know, I see no indication that it happened. But I think you know, you say when when should we stop trusting what we see? I think you know we should stop trusting it now. Really, if you <laughs> see some, a picture, somebody talking about something on TV, it could be fake. People are going to start. Yeah, it's going to be very common soon for people to be making revenge porn type things uh, with deep faking people's faces. Yeah, Yeah, so it's already happening. So it's just going to be more and more common. People are probably going to do it with me and you uh, at some point. Not together, hopefully, but... uh. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe it'll be an undercover conversation. This is what happened when the camera's turned off. But I find that interesting. And one of the things that this kind of shoots off to to me is quantum computing, right? I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to get your take on that because now we're being told, I mean, and, and I'd like to get your take on what's being pushed, um, I would say, by the mainstream. You know, all this time we've been living in base reality and now people like Elon Musk are promoting that we're in a simulation, right? Yeah. Um, 
know that Rogan had somebody else on that. I, I don't believe that. And the other thing that's being promoted, not only by Google and Microsoft and IBM, and I assume NASA, who's working with Google in a lot of these quantum realms, is that the multiverse is real. And somehow, you and I are doing these things an infinite amount of times, infinite ways, and sometimes even transcending our physical appearance. And to me, number one, that's not a reality, but I don't know. Hey, I'm, I'm not God. Uh, they, they say they're tapping into this, you know, somehow for the superpositions. And I forget what the other, um, quantum thing that they're, they're talking about is, but what is your view on all of this? You know, before we get to the singularity, cause I don't think we can upload consciousness either. <laughs> that is a lot of topics. This is you know something that Joe Rogan likes to talk about a lot. Uh, Interesting, because they're the side of you. People don't get to see, you know, they, they yeah. see the snarky debunker in 144 snarky. characters. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating topic. Uh, like, uh, are we living in a simulation? I think, you know, it, I always kind of consider it kind of irrelevant. If you can't do anything about it, then it doesn't really matter if you're living in a simulation or not. All, all you can do is you can look at what the laws of physics are and dive deeper. You know, say, what's going on with these subatomic particles? What's going on with quarks? What's going on with, like, photon entanglement and stuff like that? Why does that work? It looks really weird. And you, you look at the universe and you think it's just like, you know, solid objects moving around, bumping into each other. And, but then you look really deep. It's completely different to that. It's, it's, and then you look really, really deep at the quantum level and it's, it's bizarre and inexplicable. And I think quantum computers are very interesting because there's certain things that quantum, com quantum computers can theoretically do, like they can break encryption. They can pretty much break any encryption out there. Like there's, there's, if, the theoretical thing pans out, then uh, the public key cryptography system that's based on factoring uh, the products of very large prime numbers uh, could be cracked, you know, in an instant by a, a an appropriate quantum computer. But no one's really got quantum computers to do very much recently. They're not exactly powerful because you can actually simulate a quantum computer way, way easier than actually building a quantum computer. And they have these things called qubits which are the yeah. basic units of quantum computers. And I can't remember how much the, uh, the number of bits is in a quantum computer now, but it's, you know, it's not very many. It's like a handful. No. Well, there's two different types. There's the ones that are using quantum annealing, and that's the D-Wave machines, um, and that's the NASA project. But then you have these new ones, and I think there's somewhere in the 72 qubit range mm -hmm. was the last thing I was... Uh, reading and you know Hartman, I can't remember what his last name is, but I find this stuff super interesting because, like you, you know, I think that a, I think a lot of people are banking on cryptocurrencies to some kind of pan oh. out in the future. <laughs> Could and, be a problem. And I'm telling them, man, it, it's a computer. It's it's ones and zeros. People figure things out. You know, the Xbox gets hacked. The PS3 gets hacked. You know, the PS4 has been hacked. Mm -hmm. So the idea that they're going to be able to create a unhackable algorithm we don't know where where these things are going in the next 20 or 30 years and personally you know I, I feel like first of all i'm not in love with a cashless society you know i think that's very very dangerous sure. you know that, that that ups the track trace database society that to me i, I mean we are, we're already there right people are just buying smart devices like hey i like an xbox it's the one thing I, that I, i'm not willing to give up that has a microphone in my <laughs> That's funny right. because you were uh, at the end of, uh, uh, what was it now? Invisible Enemies, you say, throw away your Xbox. And <laughs> well, I didn't say throw away. Turn off, I said, turn off. I think that, listen, I think there's a time for everything, right? Like, uh, I, 
I, I bought Borderlands 3. It's the first video. I'm, I skipped MK11, and I got Borderlands 3. And I think I got it on opening day. I forget what day it came out. It's got to be like 10, 10 days ago. Most of the people I know that are serious about it, they put 40, 80, 120 hours into this thing. I got like seven. You know, right. I got like seven hours into it. I, you know, I, I like my downtime. I like sitting there playing a video game for an hour maybe and getting, I tried to stream it on my channel. Couldn't do it. You know, I just, it doesn't interest me to interact that way. This is my time. Either that or sit down and watch some American Pickers, maybe some UFC. I think you have to have that, Mick. And I think that, you know, one of the things I like about you is that you do seem to pull some people back from the edge of ridiculous, like the Q thing. I mean, that was just insanity and that it's still thriving is insane to me. And the amount of money grifters on that is very upsetting to me. Uh, I didn't even understand how people could believe that, <laughs> you know, yeah. like magic message boards and superheroes behind the scenes. It, it, it's listen, people want to believe that things are going to get better and that they don't have to do anything for it. And I think that's a big problem with today, at least to me, you know, when I was stomping my feet about nine 11, there was still an anti-war movement. You know, Code Pink was still getting coverage. Cindy Sheehan was out there. You know, Ray McGovern was just getting going. We had people in the streets. Right now, we're in more nations than any other time in the world. You know, we could talk about Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Somalia, Sudan, Libya. People don't even know we're involved in those nations. You know, whether they're just, you know, drone targets like in Yemen and our and our weapons or ground troops. No one seems to be upset. We're on the cusp of a real... Um, conflict with a nation with 80 million people and a real military that Russia's not just going to let us go into, right? Who knows where that leads? It's an interesting situation and seems dangerous to me. No one cares, man. I mean, that none of these are hot topics in the mainstream media, on any of the talk shows, or in the street. It's all identity politics and how to separate us. It's, you know, even the alternative. It's Antifa this or, uh, you know, Proud proud Boys that. And they're just such a marginal group. And, and I think they show kind of the worst of everything. They're, they want battle. They want conflict. They don't want people to come together and be anti-war and ask questions. And to me, that's troubling, man. Let me ask you a question. Like You, you talk a lot about like, the problems with the world uh, as you see them. You've done a lot of research into what, what these problems are. Uh, how would you picture a better world, an ideal world? Sure. I mean, all right, so first you start at home, right? I always tell people start locally. You know, you, you can go and you can run for local mayor. You know, state senator is not out of some people's reach. You, you know, you have to start locally. But if we were going to talk about a national level, especially since we, I think we can agree that the United States is the world superpower, right? Sure. I think we, I, I think we took a very, very... Um, big turn for the worse on two occasions. One, when we create a national security state where now the people don't really get to find things out anymore and it's up to the fourth estate to dig, dig, dig. And we no longer really have a judicial uh, executive and legislative branch that are checks and balances, right? At some level, the checks stop, right? Mm -hmm. Somehow, whether that's at, you know, well beyond a presidential level, that's a huge issue. And that's post-World War II. That's the atomic era. In fact, Annie Jacobson talks about how Area 51 was a big pissing contest between the military and the CIA as to who was really going to run this thing. You know what I mean? And kind of born out of the CIA. It was interesting. It's a really interesting read, very dense. And the second thing that really screwed us 
was allowing lobbying in politics. The idea that we can put so much money into politics and you can have a super PAC or a group on behalf of this and that, not only pay into candidates, but then after the fact, promise them a job. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. The two biggest things we could do, let's roll back. Like, for instance, it was very troubling to me that, you know, one of the things, again, Trump said he was going to do, you know, he's fighting the deep state, fighting the Uh deep state. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Please all the JFK documents at this point, right? And on two occasions, he failed. Now, in my opinion, if you can't release those documents, and obviously I feel those have shades of deep state all over them, if you can't expose (laughs) the state from 50-plus years ago, how in the world are you going to do it now? And appointments like Bolton and Pompeo and Haspel, you know, it's great Bolton's gone, but who's going to take his place? Just show that that battle... And a guy that said he was coming in isn't a real one. So you, know? you, you talk about like uh, when you started out, uh, you know, checks and balances. You think like we've got executive overreach right now? Sure. Yes. But but I would say that how the would you fix it? Overreach goes beyond the president of the United States, right? It's not just the president of the United States. It's, it's his cabinet. Mm-hmm. It's his, uh, you know, just about everything. You know, right now, for instance. We're, we're arguing about the Ukraine phone calls and whether we're going to get to hear these phone calls and what server the transcripts were put on and blah, 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 blah. To me, that's all red tape and, and budgets. I'm more concerned that a president of the United States, after Congress and Senate says, we're leaving Yemen, right? <laughs> he can just say, no, veto. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We're going to veto. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he can come and run on, well, who did 9-11? He starts hinting towards the Saudis. And one of the first deals he cuts is a 400 plus billion dollar arms deal with Saudi Arabia. You know, that's an issue with me. So there is no oversight on that. And don't get me wrong. We used to, we used to be able to veto those things, but then there'd be challenges. Where was the challenge from Congress on that or the challenge from the Senate? No, it was into the next election cycle, the next party line nonsense. And I, he's a racist. He's a Nazi, <laughs> like things that I don't believe he is. Doesn't mean I think he's a good person, Mick. You mm-hmm. know, Mick, I, I think it's very obvious. You know, the, the guy was three things out of the gates before I voted for him. And I let everybody know because, you know, I'm not Alex Jones. I wasn't wearing a, you know, a, a, I'm on the Trump chain choo-chooing. The guy, one, is a gangster. He created Atlantic City. If you believe in your heart of hearts that a city built around gambling in New Jersey had nothing to do with organized crime or has nothing to do with organized crime today. <laughs> totally. We're a little bit slow, okay? So we'll start there. Number one, he's a gangster. Two, an obvious womanizer. He was never shy about it. I remember I remember ah, the people stuff when I was a kid. He owned beauty pageants, like literal beauty pageants. He was very open about these things. So you got misogynist, you got gangster. Three, what was his big comeback? He's an actor. You know, throughout my, and I'm, you know, we're reality probably reality TV, actually. Got less than five years. Even before he got his reality show, he was all over television. Oh, yeah. He was on the talk show circuit. He was on, um, you know, things like Inside Edition, Entertainment Tonight. He was very apt with the camera. And then when they gave him a reality show, which we know is far from reality, he, he got even better at it. So you were already electing a gangster misogynist actor who you could not trust. That should be enough. I don't believe that he's a racist. I don't believe that he's a Nazi. I don't believe all these things they're throwing at the wall. Why not be honest with people? 
Well, I think that the reason they don't want to be honest with people is because the majority of politicians that get in it, you could say almost the same thing, right? <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. We're kind of coming up on an hour. I just want to, I want to touch on one thing that is just a kind of a personal uh, thing. Like, I remember you doing this uh, documentary called Shade. Uh, like I think like 2010 or something like that. 2013. I, I came out 2013, but I was doing it in 2012. It's like yeah. Okay. So uh, I remember Shade as being a chemtrail documentary. Sure. But I looked at the the description on it, and it's all about Bilderbergers. Well, I would say this. I'm not sure which which one. Um, it's not on my channel. Whoever wrote the description, that's oh, on okay. Shep. But the first 30 minutes is Bilderberg. It's like yes. if it starts at Bilderberg 2012 on the scene, it explains Bilderberg. Um, I'd say the second part is, which is the the meat, you know, there's about three uh, three sections in it that are large, is more, I wouldn't call them chemtrails because I try not to. I, yeah. Solar radiation management, um, prolonged jet contrails, Rosalind Peterson's heavy in there. Um, and then the last part is more eugenics and biotechnology based where we kind of run off into gates and, you know, his talks, I don't know if they were Ted, I think one of them was a Ted talk where he talks about carbon, but even, you know, headlines again, maybe like three weeks ago, I did a story on it. Now it's not solar radiation management. He's got a new thing called solar radiation perturbation. I don't know if you've seen this yet. And the models on these are balloons that are then shooting out these uh, these jet trails instead yeah. of actual jets. Well, yeah, it's all stuff that's theoretical, of course. But what, what do you? Uh, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> has you? Ha, well, I guess my point though was like, has your thinking changed on this? Like, you know, that was like what uh, five six years ago. I, you know, I've never been one of those guys that that tells you like they're mind control drugs or you know that you know they're they're controlling us through that or there's some other uh, thing. I I think they've been pretty straightforward that they think that this is going to help with global warming, that this is going mm -hmm. to uh, cool the planet. And I think it's in test phases. I, I think that it, we will find documents in the next 20 to 30 years where they kind of, first of all, I think it'll be commonplace in 20 to 30 years, unfortunately. And I don't agree with it. You know, I, I do think that they're putting the things they say they're going to put in there to reflect the sunlight, period. Um, I think these programs exist. I, I don't know how extensive they are. I, I do believe them to be on the east and uh, west coasts. And, you know, I, I think the evidence is out there. I don't think they've been 100% honest with us, Mick. I know that sounds crazy, but I well, might see. Yeah, yeah, but I, I interviewed David Keith, like, uh, okay. about a month ago. And, yeah, I've talked to him before. And yeah. he's, like, the most famous, like, geoengineering proponent out there. Sure. And he says point blank that you know nothing has been done. There's not even any tests being done as far as. And you trust the guy though. Yeah, but you th so you think he's lying to me? You think? I I don't know that. First of all, um, let let's say let's say he's not lying. Would he be in the position to know if it had a certain clearance level? Let me give you an example. Right. So we talked about Annie Jacobson, and her books, in in the Area Fifty One book, right. She talks about magic clearance actually being real. And that's kind of like a mystified clearance. I've never seen any documents that have been declassified that have magic on them, you know, magic eyes only, other than the ones that I don't believe to be real. We've seen plenty of top secret, et cetera. You know, is there a possibility that the military has a type of clearance like this or programs that are so deeply compartmentalized where a guy like David Keith, who's a proponent of it, wouldn't know. He's not just a proponent, though. He's the guy who's actually doing the experiments. He's actually Absolutely. he's running the MIT 
program uh, that's actually putting these balloons up in the, the sky and doing it. And it, it would kind of posit, you know, what you're suggesting is that all of science is running kind of in two parallels. There's like science desperately trying to figure out geoengineering and they've been doing it for decades. But then well, you've also got the government has already figured it out. And I'm saying they may not let him know what they're doing to the extent they're doing it. In other words, he might be working with balloons and they're working with jets. It's just like, I, I still believe, Mick, hold on, like, I, I still believe that some of these, uh, you know, craft that we're seeing are other propulsion systems, mm-hmm. and that they could be running them against their own military on purpose. Let's see how this does against a couple F-15s. Let's see if they can catch up. Let's see the reports. I'm sure you're uh, familiar with Mirage Men, right? The, uh, the film. No. What is that? So Mirage Men is uh, a documentary mostly on Richard Doty, who is, you know, supposedly this UFO whistle, alien whistleblower guy. Stephen Greer uses him all the time. Right, and yeah. I had to turn off the last uh, documentary. I forget if it was disclosed. I watched the one with the little alien body, supposedly. That was tough enough, serious. But the oh, follow-up. Yeah. The follow-up was just, I, as soon as I saw him using Richard Doty as a source, I had to turn it off. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I think Greer is heavily compromised. We can get into that another time. But, <laughs> well, he's wrong. I wouldn't say compromised. But, uh... but Doty himself had basically bragged about how there was a guy who had a, a business across the street, very rich man, right? Uh-huh. And he was seeing some of their experimental craft. And he was reporting it to the military. And he thought it was aliens. So they sent Doty to kind of bring him along. You know, oh, yeah, it's aliens. We're going to work with you. These are the, He's having meetings with other people in the military. You know, he thinks he's playing secret agent, man, hmm. with, uh, with the military. And he thinks these things are aliens. And in reality, they're government craft. They bankrupted the guy. He went completely insane, ended up in a mental institution. If you haven't seen that documentary, uh, I would really, uh, I feel like, in essence, that's what's happening to uh, Tom DeLong right now. I don't trust that Louis Elizondo guy. I watched 15 minutes of that uh, that History Channel show, and I mean, I got an intel dump for you. Like, no, you have an article that's right here that you could send via your phone and say, hey, look what they published, but you want to you wanna use language and make him feel like he's a secret agent, man, and you guys are going to reveal aliens to the world. I think that's a very real program, man. I think disinformation goes further than you think. Well, I think that's entertainment, though. It's not disinformation. Elizondo is, uh, you know, maybe he believes what he's doing, but what he's doing on the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, wherever it was, it's just... Yeah, it, it's Tom just... DeLong believes it, bro. Yeah, you he's, he's a little, uh, I don't know, a little eccentric, not eccentric. It's, it's, uh, it's just Dan Aykroyd passionate. They believe <laughs> They believe it. Well, um Lots of people believe strange things. I mean, uh, just just because <laughs> what, Ed Asner Ed Asner believes that nine eleven was a controlled demolition doesn't mean that I, I think it is. Uh, what's his name? Chuck Norris believes in chemtrails. Yeah. So <laughs> lots of people believe in things. It doesn't mean doesn't make them true. You got to actually say what is the actual evidence for these. Things. I agree, but you don't think that you know, like for instance, with this to the stars academy, you don't think Delong is really being played out for his money and his fame. Oh. No, I think yeah. If anything, he's playing other people. He he's got he's, a, wants to profiteer from this. He's See, got I a don't sweet deal on on that where they actually have to pay him uh, yeah. like a hundred thousand dollars a year or something just to you know be associated with it. And he, uh, you know, it, every time you look at one of their pages in the top corner or underneath their their emails, it says invest now. That they're trying to get investors, and you know he's he's a, he's a big part of it. He's you know he's the name, 
and he's his name's on the financial documents too. So I think yeah, he probably does believe, but he he probably also wants to make it a financial success as well because it's his his company. But uh, I don't think I don't think there's some kind of secret CIA plot to trick people into looking at UFOs using Tom DeLonge. I think it's just him <laughs> being a bit of a UFO fan and doing this. Like, like an actual mission. But I think that you get... I mean, obviously, you saw he was talking to Podesta in those emails, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. But, plus, you know, Podesta's a UFO fan. Uh, what's his I, name? Harry Reid is a UFO fan. There's lots of UFO fans. Like, There's probably like a good chunk of, of people in Congress were people who loved reading science fiction when they were young and think that UFOs would be a great thing. And, uh, you know, like people, you and I, we grew up and we were really interested in like UFOs and the paranormal and stuff like that. And... Lots and lots of people were really interested in UFOs and, and the paranormal. And so you get congressmen who were interested in UFOs and even the paranormal. Well, I would say this, man. At least with UFOs, there's enough documentation and there's enough. I mean, we talk about Blue Book, et cetera, mm-hmm. all, all these other things where you can get into government documents. When we talk about, you know, Bigfoot believers or Loch Ness monster or ghosts. You don't see that in government documents. You do see some stuff on mind control, obviously, and um, the ideas of uh, telepathy on certain levels. I, I did a, a video, and I, I wish I could uh, remember exactly what the document was, but it was a really interesting document that um, was one of these experimentations that was basically saying that your your mind was creating the reality around you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure, I forget which one it was, but it I find that, I found that fascinating. At the same time, it wasn't a camera crew running around an old abandoned house with people with, you know, GoPros making stuff up. You know, it, it, it's a controlled environment. They're actually looking at this phenomena. It's interesting to me that they would even look at the phenomena, let alone the results, right? Yeah, but, you know, again, it's interesting stuff. It's interesting yeah. stuff. So people look at it because it's entertaining. And you know, that's why you get so many shows on TV about this stuff. Well, again, I try, believe me, I can't even watch most of TV. I I barely get through anything. Um, But I I would say that the UFO phenomenon is much different than those other paranormal things. I think there's a very legit reality behind it. I don't think it's extraterrestrial in nature. Um, I'm not discounting the possibility that extraterrestrials exist somewhere. Um, But, you know, the more, I don't know... uh, I guess, fantastic stuff that, you know, we're working with the greys and the Palladians and they're in the center of the earth and, you know, all that other stuff. Uh, That is science fiction to me. That's a read, you know, like I forget who was the one who there was the guy, Phil Schneider, who told the story that he was in an underground base in a shootout with aliens and had this huge scar. And to to me, one of the most off-putting things about what David Icke has done in the past is the Anunnaki stuff. You know, obviously the shape-shifting lizard thing that took, I mean, I couldn't go anywhere 10 years ago, um, you know, without being asked uh, my opinion on lizard people and this stuff. And I got to, I roll my eyes, but at the same time, Ike is one of the few people that's stayed consistently anti <laughs> this movement. So I've got to at least give him that, you know? Yeah. Bad, it's, man, it's a distraction though, isn't it? Like, yeah, maybe Ike has some good points on some things, but he's, he's got so much crazy going on there that, uh, yeah, he's hard I, to take him seriously. And I know, agree. that's what I try to do is like get rid of the, the crazy stuff. And so people can focus on the good points. I mean, I certainly don't agree with everything that you say, but I do agree with some things that you say. Yeah. And, and you know, I know that we've already gone over an hour, but 
Uh, and we should do this on my platform, too. And then sure. we should actually do a uh, a debate on 9-11 where it's Ooh. controlled and we both get, you know, the certain amount of time. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But I, I'd love to get your take, especially since, you know, I've been covering this for like 10 years now mm -hmm. and all the revelations on the Epstein thing. You know, yeah. j just overall, you know, what are the possibilities he killed himself? What are the possibilities he didn't? Would you ever even entertain with somebody who was a billionaire that he could have been extracted? Intelligence ties. Give me your synopsis. Uh, I think he probably killed himself. Uh, I think there's a possibility that he was kind of allowed to kill himself, like he wasn't given the suicide watch that he was needed, and that might have been something that might have come down from above. Uh, but I think it's also possible that uh, that that didn't happen. It was just essentially incompetence on the prison system, and you know, especially that one prison he was in that was very, very understaffed. Uh, you know, it had janitors doing uh, like checking on the prisoners, prisoners and things like that. And you know, people people like point out evidence like the hyoid bone broke in his neck. But if you do the real research on that, then you find that it does actually break a lot of the time in in hangings, uh, especially in older people, because it gets more brittle with age. It's it's much less common with younger people. So the evidence of of murder, I think, is is very very flimsy. Yeah, the perhaps the evidence that he was allowed to kill himself is a little bit stronger. But I, I wouldn't call it conclusive. But I think obviously he has a lot of a lot of ties to very powerful people. You know, you're going all the way up to the Clintons and Prince Andrew. He's got at least you know them being on his plane and things like that. But uh, so there's obviously a lot of possibilities out there. Well, I'm glad you at least think there's some possibilities there because to me, you know, this is one of those really important stories where. You know, I want to find out if Acosta was told that he was intelligence and that he had to leave it alone. You know, I want to know why mm. when reported to the FBI back in 2002, nothing was done. You know, Maria Farmer, you know, her allegations are true. They found those documents. Um, you know, I just had Whitney Webb on my show and we were talking about yet another instant, instance where he and Wexner were involved in um, – the offshoot of Air America, the CIA plane, uh, uh, Southern, I think, Southern Air Trap, not Trap, Transport, Southern Air Transport, and a scandal there. You know, there was a lot of hands off on this guy. What we publicly know he did is absolutely abhorrent. And, you know, I, I was one of those guys that laid off the intelligence until Vicki Ward, um, you know, brought, a, brought it up just because there wasn't anything really conclusive. But Vicki Ward, being a journalist that was trying to break this before anybody else, did have some credence, right? And what I also found was really interesting is before Adnan Khashoggi's name came up, I had actually done a separate video on Khashoggi specifically to kind of show his role in that international intelligence network that pulled off Iran-Contra because I thought that was mm -hmm. really important. And for her to say that he was one of Khashoggi's clients or, or working for Khashoggi in that period of the early 80s, you know, when he was brokering at least five of these arms deals uh, during Iran country is, is extremely suspect. A lot of people don't talk about how Prince Andrew is the UK's arm dealer. You know, he's yeah. the one cutting deals with Saudi That's, Arabia. I was going to bring that up, actually, because, you know, reading about Prince Andrew, I think he was in the, the cable leaks uh, a while back. There was a bunch of uh, diplomatic cables uh, kind of relating stuff that Prince Andrew had said, and Prince Andrew just comes across as this this kind of arrogant asshole power broker type of person who's using his position to further his own his own um, agenda or whatever he's doing. So, 
yeah, I, I based on that, I was no fan of Prince Andrew, and it's kind of interesting, like hearing about other connections. Yeah, like I say, there's there's definitely corruption in the world, and powerful people tend to be more powerfully corrupted. I'm not saying they're all corrupted. I wouldn't, you know, go as far as saying like everybody who is a billionaire has to be corrupt, but there's uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's tough for me because you see people that are, you know. I very, very rarely see people um, that are super successful that don't at least have some sociopathic tendencies. And and with that, you know, they, they overlook people. I mean, even Trump, that's another thing no one ever talks about. Think about how many people he screwed over in those business deals and construction companies sure. during the 80s and 90s with those bankruptcies. So, you know, it's something that's not talked about much. It needs to be talked about more. But again, I don't think that the left has come at him legitimately. You know, we talked probably about a half a dozen things that I thought were legitimate problems with that presidency, and they're not even whispered about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, uh, huge, huge topics that uh, we could talk about for hours on, on any like, small detail of these things. And it's been good to get your, your perspective on it. And I want to thank you very much uh, for being here. And yeah, I would definitely like to talk again and maybe do a deeper dive into some stuff like 9-11. So, I can't uh, wait. Looking forward to it, Mick. And uh, I'm going to get to my three to seven videos a day over at youtube.com slash InfoWarrior if you guys want to subscribe. And it's on a various amount of uh, subjects. And uh, I'm doing it my own way. And you're welcome to disagree with me. And as long as you're respectfully disagreeing with those in the, in the comments section of myself, I'm always open to other opinions. All right. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, me too. (laughs) All right. See ya. All right. Thank you, Mick. I appreciate it. We'll talk again.